they challenged me to go outside and I just said, let's do it inside. And I just hit the, hit the bigger brother. He fell on the floor. As he fell on the floor and I'm looking down, the other brother, I didn't see him at the side, hit me with a knuckle duster straight on the jaw and snapped it there and there, both sides. It was hanging off. I looked in the mirror and um, my teeth were in the middle of my mouth. Oh. I had a thing where if I saw someone in trouble, I'd have to get involved. If I saw someone getting picked on, even by police officers, I would have to jump in and, and help them, even if it wasn't my business. And I was with this firm, they asked me to go abroad. Someone got arrested, so it stopped the work happening. So we couldn't do anything, we sort of put a stop to everything. My boss flew back to Britain, left me over there, and I was just twiddling my thumbs thinking nothing's going on. So I flew back to England and I, I wouldn't go back over. I said, no, nah, I'm done with it all. And he kept trying to get me back and I said, no, nah, I'm not going. And then he got found, um, he was found shot dead in his car probably a couple of weeks after that. Local newspaper said the headline was gangland execution. My manager at the time, Mervyn Turner, rang up and said, uh, do you want to fight Anthony Joshua at Wembley Stadium on the Cole Foch George Groves rematch? And I just said, yeah, straight away. Anthony Joshua at that time had knocked everyone out in the first round, second round. Tyson Fury said, the day before I fought AJ, I got a message. He said, Matt, he went headbutt him, kick him in the bite him, knee him. <laughs> he goes, do every, anything you can in one round <laughs> to beat him. I came out low, rolling. Under, every punch you threw, I tried to get underneath. And I just went at him and I just threw bombs at him, trying to take him out. He just got, I nearly caught him with a big left hook. He just got his chin out of the way, but um, he caught me with a few shots before and then he ended it with a big uppercut and he broke my eye socket. Um, I had three months of nerve damage in my face and it was numb. My whole, my, my right side of my face was numb for probably about six weeks. And Tyson Fury offered you 10,000 pounds for what? To fight. Yeah, well, this is when Tyson Fury, probably about 10 years ago, he was on the way up and someone rang me up and said, Tyson Fury's just put on Facebook, he put all you British heavyweights, none of you will, will uh, spar me, let alone fight me. So I said, I went on there and went, I'll, I'll spar you, how much are you paying? And he came back with a reply, put 10 grand if you could knock me out. And uh, I did four, only four rounds. I landed one punch in four rounds, <laughs> one punch. But when you're sparring Tyson Fury, he's so tall and long, it, it feels like he's on the other side of the ring and he's still hitting you. He's just so mobile and he's so, you can't hardly see him, let alone hit him. All right, you're in for a treat today. Many of you have watched Matt Legg's channel, fighting stories, crime stories. He's got a plate in his chin. We're going to get to that momentarily. And we're going to have all his links in the description box below this video. So please support what he's doing. And I met Matt at the Michael Francis gig. And he was telling us about how you got this plate in your chin. Weren't you? What happened there? Yeah, so... Thanks for coming on as well. Yeah, thank no, you. thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's still plates in my in my jaw. Were from this is only two years ago. Uh, I went out to the casino in Milton Keynes just for a night out. Uh, bumped into a couple of brothers that I knew but not really well. Had a couple of drinks. I've come back into the casino. Someone's thrown a drink on the the girl who was who was with me at the time. So I'm trying to get to the bottom of who's done it, and it was these two brothers. So as I'm talking to them by the roulette table. 
they basically challenged me to fight them. So I just outside. They challenged me to go outside, and I just said, "Let's do it inside." And I just hit the hit the bigger brother. He fell on the floor. As he fell on the floor, and I'm looking down, the other brother I didn't see him at the side. Hit me with a knuckle duster straight on the jaw, and snapped it there and there, both sides. It was hanging off, and I just turned and went for him. It was pay. It was painful, but I was on a session. I was on a drink and and drug session, which I was doing then. I'm not doing that now. It's been a couple of years since I've done that. So anyway, I've gone for him. The other brother got up. This is in the middle of the casino. And I'm running towards them. And they were sort of backing off, but throwing bottles and stuff at me. And I'm, I'm trying to block the bottles. And they're backing off. My mate ran in from the top. And he he tried to jump into it. They hit him on the head with a um, metal bollard they picked up. He went, oh, his head was all cut. I'm still going forward. And uh, in the end, it got split up. And the doorman came. They went out. I looked in the mirror and um, my teeth were in the middle of my mouth. Oh. And you could push my jaw and it was just swinging like that. Oh. Um, but I <laughs> went to the hospital that morning and they said to me, because I was still drinking in the hospital and I was going to the toilet and doing things in the toilet. And they said, um, you're not meant to have had any food or drink for 24 hours before you get the, the jaw done. So I had to go home. So I went home and just carried on. I thought I might as well carry on the session. Carried on drinking for... <laughs> The session for another, I think another 24 hours with the jaw busted. And then eventually I thought I'm going to have to stop and then get about 12 hours clear before I go back to the hospital. So on the Thursday night it got broke and I got it done on the Sunday. <laughs> and they wired it all up. They put two uh, two plates or three plates in there. How did they put the teeth back together? Well, the teeth were, they were just in the middle, where the jaw was broke, it was in the middle of my mouth. That, oh, that, that, the that, whole thing had yeah, moved. Yeah, yeah, that bit of my jaw. So they jaw, weren't dislodged, the so teeth. So nah, reset the jaw. That bit of my jaw was actually in the middle of my mouth and you could push it from side to side. Like, <gasps> I was still trying to fight with it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was painful. That was painful. I mean, the only other pain, I had a broken eye socket from Anthony Joshua. That was painful as well. But Well, how did that happen? Fighting AJ when I fought AJ, he broke me up. But we'll talk about that later. But that was painful, and um, I didn't often get hurt in, in fights. Normally, I didn't really feel a lot of pain. Really, it was normally after. But they, these two did hurt straight away. Yeah. And Tyson Fury offered you ten thousand pounds for what? To fight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Tyson Fury. This is when Tyson Fury, probably about ten years ago, he was on the way up. He wasn't like, like, like he's now. He was probably, I'd say, British title level, and. Um, I think I, I was having a comeback. I'd had two years out of boxing. I was on the set, I wasn't fit. And someone rang me up and said, Tyson Fury's just put on Facebook. He put all you British heavyweights, you're all pussies. None of you will, will uh, spar me, let alone fight me. So I said, I went on there and went, I'll, I'll spy you. How much are you paying? And he came back with a reply, put 10 grand if you could knock me out. And I went, well, all right, how much if I don't knock you out? And it was a good payday. It was only four rounds I had to do. And I just got on the train the next day on my own, went up to Manchester. I wasn't even fit. I'd not even been boxing. And I went to Manchester. He picked me up from the train station with his brother, Shane. And we drove to the caravan site, just us three. So they had a little gym in the caravan site. And then warmed up. His brother got in and did one round, Shane. I then got in and did the second round. Then I got out and Shane got in. And uh, I did four, only four rounds. I landed one punch in four rounds. Mm. One punch. Was any of this filmed? No, I wish I got it on tape now. I yeah. wish I had. Because the, the reason I, I sparred him is I, I knew he was going to be a future champion. I wanted to just share the ring with him. And I was right. And um, it was a good payday as well. 
But um, we done the four rounds. Yeah, I landed one left hook right at the end, and he just shook it off and carried on. But but when you're sparring Tyson Fury, he's so tall and long, it, it feels like he's on the other side of the ring and he's still hitting you. And um, he's just so mobile and he's so you can't hardly see him, let alone hit him. Did he land a lot on you? He landed quite a few, but he never didn't really hurt me. I had a few marks and stuff, but yeah. Who but, can say Tyson Fury didn't hurt them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was only sparring. It was only sparring. So if he'd have wanted to, maybe he would have. But I, sp I sparred him again, actually, um, probably about three or four years later. And I sparred Huey, Eli Frankham. And then that was it. I thought that was all the sparring done. And then Tyson came in and got in as well. And I was like, oh, no. And he only did one round. But he literally was just playing with me, like throwing jabs out, running around in circles. I couldn't even set myself. He's that good. And um, I always said he was the best, yeah. And what other prolific boxers have you been in the ring room? Um, Sparring-wise, I've sparred Derek Chisora when he was on the way up. And I gave him, he didn't like it, Derek Chisora. Yeah, he went home after one of them, after the first round. <laughs> uh, I used to put it, I used to, I used to be very aggressive in the sparring against the top pros because it was like a challenge to me. And, and I knew it was, and they want you to go hard as well. It's not easy. You, they want it to be tough. Why did he go home? Uh, that particular one, because I put it on him quite a bit. He fell on the floor and said he hurt his hand. But um, and then he got up, he got up and went home. I said, are you all right? And he just got up and went home. Um, <laughs> Did he but, hurt his hand? I don't know. He didn't land any punches, I don't <laughs> think. But, but don't get me wrong, it surprises me because he's one of the toughest going, Derek Chisora. Maybe he had, he had an off day or something. But yeah, he became one of the, the hardest out there. I sparred with um, uh, Matt Skelton, many, many rounds with Matt, Danny Williams, John McDermott, bit of Pelo Reed, yeah, most of them going back twenty odd years. Wow. Yeah. So going back. Going back to the early years then. So growing up, you were grow up. You grew up in pubs. Yeah. Somewhere, Bedford. Yeah, um, I lived in. I was born in a little village, uh, which is why I think I love countryside and nature and stuff like that. But then we moved to a pub when I was six, and we lived in pubs. Um, yeah, all my life till I was till I moved out at sixteen. Um, but I was brought up. My, uh, my parents were lovely. My grandparents brought me up with old-fashioned values, um, manners, respect. Uh, don't lie. My dad was really big on not lying, and um, I was the naughtiest. That my, there's there's three of us. There's me and my two brothers, uh, Andrew and Stuart. I was the naughtiest one, so I got the punishment off my dad. And uh, I did have a bit a bit of resentment for him, but I did say to him, "You did instill." good manners and respect and uh, all that sort of stuff. So I was grateful in the end. But that's, I mean, there's a lot of discipline lacking, I think, nowadays. But I was grateful for that. We, li we lived in the pubs. And I moved to Milton Keynes at the age of eight. And I've stayed in Milton Keynes ever since. What did your parents, what did your mother do? Because obviously your dad was a bar. It, yeah, they both worked in the pubs. Yeah. yeah, both worked in the pubs. Yeah, in um, Bradwell Village, yeah. Is that how yeah. they met through the pubs? No, because when, when I was born they lived in a little village my dad was a, worked on a farm and I think my mum worked in the pubs but um that's why I love countryside and stuff like that I have to get out in the countryside every day or get fresh air mm. just to keep my men you know your mental health up and your low mood so I go out in the countryside all the time and nature and things like that so growing up in pubs did you see a lot of fight uh bar brawls or whatever they call them I didn't see a lot I heard about a few my dad had a couple here and there it was quite a nice village, to be honest. It wasn't really a trouble. A trouble. It's very quiet, so there wasn't a lot of trouble. But my dad did have a couple of fights. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why I ended up liking the drink. I don't know, but I was always around it. 
let's say. Did yeah. you have many siblings? Yeah, I've got two, two brothers, yeah. Two brothers. Yeah. Mm. Are they the same size as you? No, no, no. <laughs> well, my brother Stuart's about the same height. But he actually saying that he's about 18 stone, yeah. My other brother, Andrew, he's eight years younger. He's, he's a lot smaller, but he looks more like me. And what were you like in school? In school, uh, I was quite well behaved. In the younger schools, I was always, yeah, I loved all the work. I loved nature and geography, history and things like that. I was quite a good student. Uh, secondary school, I started getting into fights because I was quite tall at 13 years old. I was six foot two. And then I started getting picked on by older kids, really. Never, it was normally like a little gang of kids. It wasn't normally one. So that's, I didn't really like getting picked on. So I started weight training at 13. And I, by the time I was 15, I was pretty big. I think I was about 14 stone, but in good shape and six foot two. So then more fights were happening. I was getting ganged up. I got arrested at 15 for um, three, three violent offenses. For Can you talk us through that? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of them was, I had a fight at the school with a lad who um, had challenged me to a fight. So I, I had a fight with him and um, they're very, I got arrested for it. But the very next day, the lad came up to school with his mates, there's six of them, and they had a baseball bat on them. I saw them coming across the field and I said to my mate, they've come for me. And he walked off. I just walked straight up to him. because so I had a thing about not, not backing down, <laughs> um, which is stupid really, but I, they came up to me and they, they said, um, you beat up so-and-so. And I went, yeah, but I've been arrested for it and this, that, and the other. And they pulled a rounders bat out and hit me on the head a couple of times. And I just grabbed hold of him, held him, and he was hitting me on the legs. Uh, the other lot were trying to get me on the floor, but they couldn't get me on the floor. I was just standing there. And, I, and then, then it all stopped and I was just standing there looking at them. Like, I didn't attack them, but I just stood my ground. And um, they just walked off in the end. <laughs> I, got, I got a couple of them back though that weekend at the market. I bumped into them in the market. And... Um, I, I think I had butted one of them into a market stall. <laughs> but I get on with them all now. I get on with all of them now. <laughs> Your mates now. Yeah, I get on with them all. I see them at the shops. and we talk. I mean, this is 30 years ago. In fact, most of the people I've had fights with, I, I get on with. Oh, that's that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. But before then, a man hit you in the face with a can of dog food when you were 13. Yeah. Yeah, that was another thing. I was outside a shop. Uh, and my mate had a balloon and he was just... No intention, no bad intention call. You know when you let the air out of a balloon, it squeaks? He was just doing that. And a bloke walked out at the same time, thought that my mate was taking the mickey, which he wasn't, and he's got a can of dog food out of his bag and just rammed it into my face, into my face, cut me, and um, got into the car. If I'd have been 15, I would have done something. But when I was 13, I didn't have that same fighting spirit yet. And he got in the car and walked off, but he'd left me cut. And um, yeah, so I was getting... I got quite a lot of men and older lads wanting to fight me when I was a teenager. Because of your size? Because of my size, yeah. Mm. Did you bump into the dog food, man? No, like, I wish I had done, though, when I was older. <laughs> <laughs> He's not yeah. your mate now. He's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, you were arrested after hitting a man with a bit of wood after he pushed you off your bike. Yeah, that was... That was um, me and my mate were like a BMX, uh, I think I was 15, and my mate was on the back, my mate Hassan. And as we're trying to drive down, there's three lads, older lads, probably about 18, 19, uh, just basically barged me off the bike. And um, as they were walking back out of the shop, I just got a piece of wood out of the bush, it was like a broom handle, and just ran after the biggest one and just hit him on the head a few times. <laughs> I was 15, and then I got arrested for that as well. So that was another ABH. 
What was it like the first time going into the cells? Because I remember in my case, it was pretty scary. <laughs> um, I can't, the first, yeah, I just thought, and I don't think I was that bothered. I don't know. I just, it was exciting probably to me to, when I was younger. Because when you're young as a, as a man and you're just thinking, oh, it's just something new. And it's like, I don't know, because I wanted to be a fighter. It was just part, part of the course, I thought. But I've got to say though, um, in all the fights I've had, I would rather diffuse trouble and stop trouble if I can. Um, but sometimes you can't, you have to fight. So um, as I've got older, you mellow out, don't you? Tend to. Try to, yeah. <laughs> Try. <laughs> um, and you, the next subject, I decided I want to be a fighter and that's when you started weight training. Yeah. So I was weight training then just to protect myself from the, the fights I was getting into and be strong. And as I got older and older, I got to, by the time I got to 18 years old, I was, I was 18 and a half, stone, about the same size as what I am now, but in a lot better shape. I was more muscular. Um, so I was really strong and, yeah, loving the weights. Um, but, but I'd hooked up with a firm that were doing some work um, on the other side of the law. And I hooked up with them as, as a driver, sort of like a minder, um, if on meetings, if they needed me there or if they needed help. So I hooked up with them and I was getting, yeah, got into it. I had a thing where if I saw someone in trouble, I, I'd have to get involved. If I saw someone getting picked on, even by police officers, I would have to jump in and, and help them, even if it wasn't my business. And that's what a lot of my fights were. But I had a bit of a vendetta, not a vendetta, but I had a bit of a bad start with my relationship with the police because when I was 16, they they rammed me off my motorbike. I had a little 50cc motorbike. <laughs> and I was on there one night with my mate was on the back with no helmets on. And the police saw us and I drove over the central reservation and went down the opposite side down the road. But it was midnight, there was no cars there. Anyway, the police have tried to chase me and in the end they just knocked me off the bike. So I've ran in, ran into the bushes. I was only 16. They've come in and they've hit me with the, um, it was either a torch or a truncheon. And they've hit me on the head and then they strangled me put the knees on my back and strangled me from the back. And when they found out I was only 16 in the police station, they got all worried. And mm. I said, don't worry about it. I'm not going to grass you up. It is what it is. I said, I'm not going to like try and get you in trouble. I said, it is what it is. But I had a bit of a dislike for the police after that for um, quite a few years until I realized they're not all bad and there's good and bad in everyone. But I did have three or four more fights with them. I got CS gas by them and at one time yeah who were your movie idols back then because enough of my yeah. generation it was like schwarzenegger it, it, rambo it, it, Dolph yes. Lundgren. it was arnold schwarzenegger it was my my heroes were i loved pumping iron yeah i loved all the arnold films commando when it came out and uh running man um but i had idols like uh, i loved mike tyson even back then and i loved i loved lenny mclean roy shaw um and obviously my mate norman buckland who was um a well-known street fighter. And and what I loved about Norman was he would never bully, never start a fight. But if it came to a fight, he'd fight anyone, a whole gang. I mean, he's done things like, um, he got his arm broken once in a fight with a hockey stick. Four men with a hockey stick broke his arm and he carried on fighting them, all four, and he beat all four with a broken arm. That, that to me is the definition of, of tough, being tough. He goes through any pain. He's had every, yeah, he's just... I think I spoke to Norman before the pandemic, but Norman, if you still want to come on the podcast, we'd love to have you on, oh, please. That, that'd, yeah. be, that'd be brilliant. He's, 
I do videos with me and Norman. They go down really, really well. When when you, he's such a lovely bloke as well. Yeah. Larger than life. He's isn't larger he? than life, yeah. and he's got so many stories, and he's always got a positive message as well. We no negativity around Norman, and yeah. He's, Don't he's you brilliant. find the hardest men are the most nice, um, like heroes? That's what I, I I find the ones that can do it, that can actually do it. A lot of your boxers and your, and your MMA fighters and people like Norman. They don't need to. They don't need to show off. A lot of the ones that can't do it, they're the loudest ones, I find, and they're giving it the big one. But yeah, Norman and people like that, very quiet and respectful. And yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So have you ever communicated with Mike Tyson through your career? Yeah, I've met Mike Tyson probably about four times. I was like, yeah, he's, he's my, he was one of my heroes, fighting mm -hmm. heroes, Tyson Holyfield. But I've sat on the table, top table, with Mike Tyson at a show. I was one of the guests and I was lucky enough to sit with him and, and talk to him. And that was a dream come true to, to meet Mike big, Tyson. Big Joe Egan told us a few Tyson stories. Yeah. Joe Egan's a, yeah. 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 Joe Egan's a good friend of mine as well. Check his book out if you're watching. Big Joe Egan, toughest white man on the planet. Yeah. Quote Don't, from Mike Tyson there. Yeah. Exactly. Joe, Joe's a legend as well. Uh, one of my, one of my very good friends. Yeah. And we've done, we've done some, we've done some films together. We've done, Couple of bits of work together. I was going to talk to you about the films later. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, definitely. A straightener against another fighter, and you getting involved with gang fights involving a football team. Yeah, th this is a thing that there, there was a football team, and um, they played against my mates' football team, and this other football team basically bullied my mates. I was only fifteen then, bullied my mates' team. So, like, me and my other mate Scott took it upon ourselves to go and have a go at this football team, just me, us two. So we walked all the way to the city centre where they were all drinking and we had a fight with them all. My mate then got arrested and left me up there on my own. So as I'm sitting there, this football team's come over to me and there's about probably about eight or nine of them. They said, do you, do you want to fight now and all this? And I got up, I went, yeah, come on. In. And they, they said, um, fight their top man, who's Brad, a bloke called Brad. He was a good boxer. He's a good jujitsu fight, uh, fighter now. And we, 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 get, we get on well now. So me and Brad walked around the corner and we had a little straightener. <laughs> it's only like kid stuff. And um, they said the police were there, so it all got broke up. Um, but that was what was happening. I got arrested for that as well. <laughs> I got, <laughs> not for that bit, for the bit before, but that was the three ABHs I got in that in that time period um, when I was 15, yeah. Did you have to do any young offenders then? Uh, for, those, for those ones I got um, community service, which I worked in a monkey sanctuary, which I loved. What? I worked in a monkey sanctuary, yeah. Um, Roger and Monica. And um, I used to go back there, even when I'd done the community service, I'd still go back there because it was so, so much good fun to work with all the animals. They had monkeys, uh, lemurs, uh, all different fo uh, Arctic foxes. Yeah, so uh, being someone that loves animals, it was... It wasn't punishment. <laughs> it didn't make you want to aspire to be a Sugi. <laughs> I do love all that though. And I was, I wanted to be a vet when I was younger. I did want to be a vet. And I've looked at Woburn Safari Park working there a few, only a few years back. Yeah. Is that, is that the dream? And they're so strong, aren't they? The monkeys, they're so yeah, strong. Yeah, even the little yeah. one, even a little monkey, if you put, because they bit, a couple of them bit people's ears off and fingered <laughs> monkeys. <laughs> but if you put, you can't put your finger in the cage because they'll have your finger off. When I was a kid once, Reached out, grabbed my belt, pulled yeah. me to the cage and snapped my belt off. Yeah. Really? Little one. Yeah, the little one. Imagine the, the yeah. strength for the big ones. It's... I went to a sanctuary in Bali and they climb up you, they try and climb yeah. up you and your sunglasses so you couldn't wear any like yeah. loose jewelry or anything. anything. Off you. Yeah, they're yeah, clever as well. Was, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I was going to ask what your parents thought about this. 
That's a good question. Um, they were <clears throat> oh, but the fight, the fighting and stuff. You fighting the the arrests and um, yeah, they they were they were they were obviously not happy that I was going to court for fighting and they were obviously saying, well, it's teen teen teenage boys testosterone. Um, what it was, I. I just I was fascinated with Norman and Lenny McLean and all that, but I, I wanted to be respected as as a fighter, but no, never to pick on people. I don't like bullies and troublemakers, but um, I got into a lot of fights. For I'd, I'd walk past if I saw the police being rough with someone on the street, I'd have a go at the police and say, "Oh, what are you doing?" and get involved. Um, and, or, or someone in a pub I thought was getting picked on, I'd take it upon myself to jump in. But my mum and dad. Um, when I got to 18, I got into loads more fights and I got arrested, went to prison. They were they were gutted when I went to prison. Luckily, it wasn't for a long time. But once again, those fights that I got into, uh, one was for helping a mate out. Um, do you want me to go into that one? Yes, yes. of course. The, the, the reason I went to Woodhill Prison in 1994, this was, was I went to a nightclub with my mate, Dan. Um, Next thing I've turned around, the doormen are trying to throw him down the stairs and he's hanging on for dear life on the on the railing. They're hitting his hands to pull him off and throw him down the stairs. So I just waded, in, waded into doorman. Um, the police came in and took me outside and I just waited outside till the club was closing and I went back in as everyone was coming out. I went back in straight up to the doorman and just punched the head doorman and his tooth came out of his mouth and... They had a fight with all the other doormen. Then the police came in, got me, and I had a fight with them as well. And they put me in the um, in the wagon. I went to the station, stayed in the station overnight from Friday night to Saturday. And then it was alleged, this was alleged, <laughs> that I got out of the police station on the Saturday afternoon and got into another fight on the Saturday night with, well, in the paperwork, it said eight or nine or ten blokes. And it said there was me and well, it said it was me and a couple of blokes in the paperwork. It said it alleged against these ten, and there was um, broken bones and broken cut heads, and and I got arrested for a section eighteen wounding with intent. Um, then I was still I was still out on bail. Then I got arrested again. This is another one. This is free in the space of a month because I was walking past a, a mate of mine who was getting arrested, and the police were chucking him about quite a bit. So I said to the police, like, calm down, don't, don't chuck him about like that. Police had a go at me. <coughs> so I've then had a fight with the police again and got arrested. And that was it. They said, um, we've got to remind you because you, you've got three violent charges on you. And they took me to Woodhill. Um, yeah, 1994. What was your first day in there like? Um, well, I walked in and because I was 18 and a half stone, of, of like I was training quite, quite strong, quite big. No one believed I was a young, a young offender. <laughs> Everyone kept coming up to me saying, are you really a YP? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm 18. Um, and I knew like, I knew a few people in there. Norman Buckland was in there. So Norman was there. So that, that was like... Um, what was, has he done? Oh, he was in there. He, he actually got a 10-year. He got a 10-year, yeah. It was... Um, uh, he had trouble where he lives and there was a shotgun and doors were blown off. And no, one got, no one was hurt, but it was a, a firearm thing, yeah. Um so yeah, that was he was in there for that, and, and I, so I've known Norman since I was thirteen years old, and he was one of my people I looked up to, and uh, straight away, Norman said to me, rather than fighting with doorman police or whatever you're doing on the street, um, put it into boxing, put this energy and strength into boxing, 
And, and, and I'm so grateful for that because um, that basically started me on that path of boxing. And I, I'm always grateful to Norman. Um, so we tried to get equipment brought into the prison, you know, like gum shield, head guards and all that, <laughs> gloves. Yeah. Um, but they wouldn't let us have anything because they said it would incite trouble between the young offenders. So what we did, we just thought I would do it ourselves anyway. So me and Norman, there's no pad work, nothing. It was me and Norman would wrap a pair of socks around our knuckles and just go and basically fight each other. And, and he was an experienced fighter. I was brand new. I was only 18, but I used to love it. I used to love the, the, the toughness of it, you know, like, cause you're against Norman in the prison and everyone would come and watch through the window, me and Norman fighting. <laughs> like he was in the shower area. So I, I, if, if I got knocked in sort of shower, my back had hit the shower, all the water would go on me. <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, it was good fun. I come out with a few bruises, but yeah. that was my very first introduction to boxing. So, you know, like most people get pad work and bag work. I'm actually going against Norman Buckland in the, in the prison, so. What a way to train. Yeah. Did you see much trouble in there? Um, I wasn't in there for long. I was in there 1994 to early, early 95. I saw um, the boiling water with sugar in. Did you? Have you, jug have you yeah, jugging. Have you seen that before? Not, that's like an English thing. Oh, I was English, yeah. not in America. Yeah. I saw that and, and I was watching it. I had a cup of tea and I was just watching and the two blokes came together. One threw the jug of water on the other one and the other bloke fought back. As he's fighting back, all the skin was oh. coming off his face. As the screws ran in to, to grab him, they didn't realise that he's been jugged. They're pulling him and his skin's... And I'm going, stop. I go, don't pull his face. Don't pull his face. He's been jugged and all this. Do you um, know what it was over? I can't remember what it was over now. But there was another incident where my my mate got his... He got cut up in the showers, got his back slashed open. I got a shout to run up. I ran up, ran in the shower and, and a load of lads had cut him up. So I got them out. And um, took him out. And then, um, so there's a bit of trouble going on about that because this was a firm from somewhere else. So I said to my mate, bring their top man up to me and I'll, I'll just offer him a straightener to set, settle it. And he didn't want a straightener. So that was it. It, it all got dropped. Is there mm. like a sense of, you know, because you are so tough, people challenge you to try and make the name off you in prison? Um, or on the streets? Possibly. I mean, I didn't think that. Did so I? who's going to be the fast, you know, yeah. the best gunslinger in the yeah, West? Yeah, there, yeah, there is that because people want yeah. to take, get your reputation. Yeah. yeah, and I think as I've as I've got older, so I never used to really get any anyone challenging me to fight. So as I've got older, a couple of people. That's why I don't go pubs because if I go to the pubs, the last I think I've had three or four fights in the last four years. People starting on me. I had a bloke start on me uh, a couple of years ago for no reason at all, and um. He walked up to me in the pub. He was drunk and he came up to me and went, Matt Legg. He went, yeah, how much do you get paid for getting knocked out by AJ and all this? I thought, here we go. I ignored him and he was, he was having a go at me to other people in the pub and they're telling me that he's slagging me off. So I tried to avoid him. I sat outside in the pub garden. He's come out and sat next to me. He's going on and on and on. And I went to him, mate, what is your problem? And I'm saying, you're acting like you want to fight me. And he went, yeah, I do. I went, right, come on then. So I got up. This is only a couple of years ago. I got up and we walked around the side of the pub and there was like a, ca a, a shop with a cash point there. So I rammed his head into the cash point. <laughs> uh, we read a little roll of it. And then as he's getting up, I, I just give him a punch and um, he was rocked. So I went in and I was going to hit him again, but he put his hand out for me to shake. And as soon as he put his hand out, I thought, I'm not going to hit him now. So I shook his hand. I said, mate, why did you, why did you bother doing it? Why start on me if you can do that? He sent, he sent my mate a message the following day and he said... Um, 
I don't know why I started on that. He said, I feel like I've been in a washing machine. <laughs> <I'm not surprised. laughs> Do you find you have this aura around you where you attract people to want to take you on? Because I mean, you're not a small fella. If I it, it never, never, never used to be like that. It's as I've got older, right. or, or maybe it's just people drunk, but it's happened a lot in the last few years. I'm not really the sort of person who likes trouble. I'd rather win a fight without fighting. If I can win a fight without fighting, I'd rather do that. Mm. Um, diffuse it or stop it. Uh, win, with, win with words is better to me. Um, but I've had a lot of fights growing up. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think people are probably thinking, oh, he's getting old now. We'll have another go. <laughs> That's why I'm training hard now and I'm not drinking. Yeah. Do you think it's because you've got your channel as well and you're putting yourself out there and it this tracks was, more weirdos? Uh, this was before, this was before <laughs> the oh, channel. Before, yeah. Okay. I, I, I've got, I reckon, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's before the channel. I was going to ask it's it as well. Good question, though. I mean, you, that might happen now. Yeah, <laughs> well, don't, don't <laughs> <that's it. laughs> Definitely not. Um, going back to Woodhill, Kevin Lane and Charles Bronson were in there at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Kevin Lane and Charlie Bronson were in the because Woodhill has got a prison within a prison, um, so we wouldn't be allowed on that bit. But I, we used to hear Charlie Bronson sometimes shouting. You can hear him. What and, was he uh, singing? I don't know what he, he was shouting, but <laughs> I got to become friends with. Kevin and Charlie. I'm going to see Kevin on Friday. Uh, and I got to become friends with Charlie Bronson because he wrote, he sent me a letter. He wrote me a letter and then we started corresponding. And I, yeah, he, he tried to get me to go and visit him. But I was the home office refused me to visit. I don't know why. They never let me go in. So I never got to go and see him. I, tried, I applied three times and the home office, Milton Keynes Police, I think, had it in for me. So they, they refused my... Um, VO or whatever. Do you think he'll ever get out? I, I got told he was going to get out soon, but um, I spoke to Charlie's mum the other day on her birthday, Ira, she's lovely, and I spoke to all the family. In fact, they called me from Wales and I spoke mm -hmm. to them. But I, I hope he does get out because he's, he's been in since 1974. Wow. And he's, he's not done any murder. He's not done a murder. He's not... No. 1974. Almost 50 years. Almost 50 years. And he got out for, I think, a few months. Almost 50 years. Wow. And, and he's still... When I used to speak to him on the phone, he's still sharp-minded and witty and, and funny and he's very misunderstood and he's he does a lot for charity. Um, when my my son was born, Mason, uh, he, he wrote a letter to Mason, to my newborn son. Oh. He went to Mason, welcome to planet Earth and it was really nice. It was really shout nice. out to Mason as well. Yeah, um, shout out. There was a post and I read, someone said, that you weren't coming on my podcast and Mason jumped on it and said, yeah, he is going on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't know if on I think fan? it might be on TikTok or oh, YouTube. I can't remember it was. TikTok then because he's on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you, Mason. Yeah. <laughs> and shout out to Kev Lane as well. And viewers, if you've not seen our podcast with Kev Lane, it's in the True Crime Podcast yeah. playlist. Mind-blowing story. He, they put him in for something he hadn't done and he spent a lot of time inside. Kevin Lane, yeah, I, I love Kevin. I'm going to see him Friday. Can I just shout out my other two boys? Of course. Matty Jr., Max, love you all. And Mason, love you all. Is Matty into boxing, I'm understanding. Yeah, Matty yeah. Jr., um, he's he's 22 now. He's a good he's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. He, he's had a couple of street fights as well. He had a fight with five blokes. He had a straightening with one. Five of them jumped on him and he beat all five. Yeah, he's a street fighter as well. But he tries to avoid it now. He's calmed down. But yeah, he was a boxer. Uh, he used to spar with men when he was young. And he used to get get the better of men. Yeah, he's a good fighter, mate, Junior. What was you your What was your goal for when you were getting out of Woodhill? What was my goal? The funny thing, my, my my whole philosophy as a teenager, all I ever wanted to do, I I I'm not materialistic. I don't look at 
monetary and wealth and stuff like that. I look more health, happiness, but I always wanted to, simple things, like I always wanted to go to a film premiere, which I've got to do with Tom Hardy and that. And I always wanted to be just respected by fighters and have and just have friends. That was my, and I wanted to meet um, actors and, and, and the gangsters as well. That was one of the things I, so everything I sort of wanted to do, I, I ended up doing, you know, like they say, um, manifestation and stuff. But I wanted to just, yeah, meet all the 60s. Cause I, I like the 60s gangsters, you know, like the old school morals and the old values. I, I like that era, the Freddie Foremans and you know, like the, the twins and the Richardsons and Chris Lambert. Yeah, yeah, my, oh, yeah. Michael Francis is, is lovely. Yeah, that was, a, that was a great, great night. What's your favourite gangster movie? Well, it's a toss-up between. I love Scarface. I love Goodfellas. I love. Um, I like Lawless. Tom Hardy. Um, there's loads. Yeah. Casino. Casino. Not as much as Goodfellas, but I still like it. Why is that your favourite? Carlito's Way. Carlito's That's Way. That's one of my all-time yeah. favourites. I think all the ones Matt's mentioned are quite upper tier, aren't they? Yeah, they, yeah. yeah, I love all of them. Yeah, I'd say layer cake is up there. Layer cake, I'm not too sure. That's Guy Ritchie, wasn't it? Oh, really the gentleman, life. I love the gentleman. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, I love that. That was fun. Enough about movies. Back to your your <laughs> life of a movie. Um, and so you've only lost twice as an amateur. Yeah. So when I got out of prison, I only did a, a little while in early 95, because <clears throat> Norman had encouraged me to do the boxing. So I came out, joined the boxing gym and made a go, well, not made a go, but started amateur boxing. And because I'd always been watching Mike Tyson and, and I'd, I'd, I copied that sort of style with the, the peekaboo style, uh, rolling low and attacking, because I was an aggressive fighter. And um, I, I walked in the boxing gym and they said, the very first time I hit the bag, they, they lined me up to a fight about a month later. Normally you get a few months, but they put me in for a fight and I won, well, I won all my amateur fights apart from, I got beat by one man and he was the number one in England, uh, Matthew Granger. He beat me twice as well. Um, but during my, during that time in all the fights I had, I fought, I fought some good fighters. I fought Big Paul Joyce. Have you heard of Big Paul Joyce? Doggies. Yeah, Dougie's uh, cousins, I'd say. But Big Paul's from the Oxford Joyce's. Uh, Wasn't he refereeing uh, yeah. Becker versus yeah. Dean? Yeah, that's it. Big, massive fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there, I was there for that fight. Are you there? I was there, yeah. I was wow. Big, Big Paul invited me down, yeah. Right. I was there. I, I was filming it. You can't see me because I'm on the other side. Yeah. But I filmed it all, yeah. Um, so me and Big Paul, I got a phone call, do you want to fight Big Paul Joyce? This is probably I was about early 20s. Paul, Big Paul Joyce back then was unbeaten as a boxer. He was unbeaten as a bare knuckle fighter as well. Uh, he's in the film Knuckle. If you've seen the film Knuckle, it's a really good film to watch, yeah. So anyway, I got the phone call, do you want to fight Paul? And I said, yeah. Uh, and I, I did a day's work on the building site, drove down to Oxford that night, his home show it was, and it was a proper, proper war that was. Like, Paul was all over me in the first round. He's six foot five and he's 25 stone, but he's fast. He's fast. 25, 25 But he's quick with it. And, he, and his game, like, he won't back down. And he and he was all over me. Was that all filmed? That's all filmed, yeah. That's on oh, my channel. Watch that. Yeah, have you not seen that? that? No. Not seen yeah, it. it's on my channel. What's it called? It's just Matt Legg versus Big Paul Joyce. Oh, oh. we're getting that on. Yeah. yeah. And I, he was all over me in the first round. And I just dug deep, kept firing back. And, um, yeah, I thought it, I was open. At the end of the, the match, I was happy if it was a draw. 
I thought if it's a draw, I'm happy because it was his home show. But they raised my hand and I got the win. Wow. So I was over, I was over the moon. So that was the first time he'd lost. First time he'd lost. Yeah, big um, ball. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I've got to ask. I was thinking about this this morning, watching your previous podcast. You don't really mention much about relationships. What were your relationships like during this period? Oh, what we've with, with girls, of course. Um, so I've I've been well. I've never been single since I was thirteen, and I've had five five long term relationships. Uh, from 14 to 20, I was in a long-term one, then straight into another three-year one, then straight into a 17-year one, which was the mother of my children, then straight into a four-year one, and then, and I thought, I'm gonna have to have a bit of time to myself after that one. And I walked away, I walked away from them all as well. And then I, I, even though I wasn't the best, I mean, I was going out partying all the time and drinking, I wasn't, I didn't realize that's very selfish to do that. Uh, it's only when I got older, I realized, that you can't spend your weekends at the pubs when you've got people to think about. Um, I've learned that now. I think it was probably being brought up in pubs, but yeah, I had a couple of months single and then I'm with Katie now, who mm. I've been with, you've met Katie. Yeah. Me and Katie are really happy and we've been together for two years. So um, I've ne yeah, never been single really, which is <laughs> surprising really, because I was yeah, always out partying. So I'm lucky really. At 19, you went to work abroad. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So. I was with the firm I told you about. They were they were doing bits and bobs. I still find it hard to talk about because I'm so used to keep in this world. You you keep things quiet, don't you? Yeah. So I'm still in that mind frame. I mean, even talking on the phone, we wouldn't talk on the phone. But I mean, back then people were involved in it was puff. It was the solid, the solid Hush. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So this was this is what people were doing back then. And I was with this firm. They asked me to go abroad, and I went abroad. Uh, meant to be for a whole year, but it only ended up being a few months. And um, something happened over there which stopped all the work going on. And I was just sitting abroad. My boss flew back to Britain, left me over there, and I was just twiddling my thumbs thinking nothing's going on. So I flew back to England. Then my boss flew back to over there to Europe, and he kept saying to me, come back over, we need you over here. And I said, no, I'm going, I'm going my own way. And then he got found... Um, he was found shot dead in his car probably a couple of weeks after that. Wow. So when you say something happened, what did you mean by that? Oh, basically, uh, someone got arrested, so it stopped the work happening. So we couldn't do anything. We sort of put a stop to everything. So I was just sitting there sort of wasting my time on my own in a, in a foreign country. So I, he was, my boss was in Britain partying, and I'm stuck over there just doing nothing on my own. So anyway... He flew back over there and I wouldn't go back over. I said, no, nah, I'm done with it all. And he kept trying to get me back and I said, no, nah, I'm not going. And then he was found shot dead in his car. And the um, local newspaper said the headline was gangland execution. Do you believe, had you gone back with him, that you might be dead? Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened. And I, I don't... No, I don't know. It would, it would have definitely changed the circumstances because he wouldn't have been there at that time so who knows what would have happened you know the butterfly effect mm. so so what happened on the day of his funeral um my dad rang me up and my dad said to me he went he goes into polaria cid milton Keynes police and i went dad it's the, it's the day of his funeral i said i goes tell him to wait there and when i've done the funeral i'll i'll be back I mean, there's nothing, this is, it was a couple of months before. So I'd, I'd left 
that country months before. So I said, just turn it away and I'll be back. And anyway, when the funeral the funeral finished, I forgot. I forgot, and I got on a session. I think I was drinking and doing pills, and this is a long time ago. And I've totally forgot, and they never ever came back. Never. <laughs> but I, I knew from that moment on that they knew that I was involved. So I had to be very careful. What I was doing. I would never talk on phones. Um, we used to have pages actually, but do you remember it was pages? Yeah, do you remember pages? Yeah, just about, just about. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. Too young. six six six. Call yeah, that means there's a problem. And you, then you go to the payphone, didn't you? Eight eight eight. But someone needs an eight ball. Yeah, yeah. So we used to always do that, and then mobile phones came in just around that time. And we used to even on a mobile phone. I, I would, I still don't talk on them now. I don't do anything now. I've retired, but but even then we would never talk on phones. We would never, if we did, it would all be codes and. Does that mean then that there was a gang warfare erupted with his execution? Well, as far as I was concerned, I didn't know anything about that. No one had ever said that there was an issue to me. So I was to me, it was came as a big shock. But the newspaper had said it was a gangland execution and, and they seemed to know a lot of stuff that was going on. And um, I'd, I just decided to, to just leave and go my own way. When we wake up in the morning, we get out of bed and we start our day with Koro Snacks. Koro is a healthy snacks brand focusing on bringing additive-free natural ingredients to their customers with fair prices in bulk packaging. They have everything from nut butters to free from baking ingredients to cooking essentials and, of course, the snacks. Look what's in this gem. It's the vegan power mix from Koro. So we have a mixture of nut kernels, dried fruit, Cacao nibs, soy crispies, and hemp seed hold. What are these little red ones? Wait. Look at this thing. Mmm. Mmm. That's good. Fresh and healthy. So, what makes Coro special in comparison to others? Coro's quality management team carefully and regularly reviews the quality of their products. For a 5% discount on Coro's products, use the code TRUECRIME with no space in between true and crime. The link to Coro's online shop is in the description box on YouTube. Thanks for supporting our sponsor. And you know, I went my own way. I, I had my boxing to think about and um, other bits like that. And that's when you turned professional. No, that's, that was a bit later on that was. Ah, oh, that was the next one. So what happened between then? So between them... I was doing little bits myself, um, knocking out a little bit of puff and things like that. Um, and then it, I'd, I'd, I'd always work. I did like manual jobs. I liked I liked lifting stuff and physical stuff. So I was doing jobs here and there. Um, and then when I got, to, and I was amateur boxing again, um, got to the ABA final, which was, if you win, you're the number one. And I lost by one point. I've got to give a shout out, by the way, to Ricky English, uh, Mervyn Turner, Sean, Sean Burns and Jack Lindsay who passed away. These were all my trainers, different trainers I had over the years. Uh, Ricky English took me all through my amateur career and my first four pro. Ricky English was partners with Joey Pyle Jr. We've had Joey Pyle Jr. on as well. You've had Joe on, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. So Ricky was partners with him in the unlicensed um, fights. They used to put the governor fights on, Ricky and Joe. Um, in fact, they, they are, Ricky asked me to do the governor fights a couple of times. I was lined up to do it. And um, I think I got a knee injury, so I couldn't do it. Um, but I never did it in the end. Ooh. That was after my boxing career. That was after the pros. And what jobs were you doing at the time? Um, I did a lot of stuff. I did furniture delivery for IKEA. 
I did um, flat, I, pack. I, flat pack. I used to love it though, because all the countryside, driving all the lovely areas. I used to do building site work, um, lifting um, plasterboard upstairs and stuff. But I don't mind. I like that. It's fitness training to me. What was the history of the man with the carving knife? Yeah, um, this was in a, in a in a party one day. I had a little disagreement with a bloke, only a verbal thing, this fella. And he, he was known to have carried a knife and he stabbed a couple of people and he's um, he'd cut a few people. Anyway, we had a verbal, a bit of verbal, nothing major. He disappeared. And then about half hour later, he came back, but he came back outside and there was bushes outside and he was in the bushes and he knocked on the window. Everyone called me over to the window. I walked over to the window and he was outside in the bushes. He went like that. You come here. So I walked up to the window and he went and he opened his thing up, pulled out the carving knife, and he went, Come outside. I went, All right. And I just started walking outside because I, I, I had this stupid thing where I couldn't back down or turn my back. Stupid, really. I mean, you should never do that against a knife. But that pride, stupid pride, made me walk out. I walked out uh, with nothing, nothing on me, just nothing. To, to walk out as I'm walking out everyone went don't go out and nothing on you and someone put a couple of things in my hands that were quite heavy <laughs> <laughs> and as as I've gone out he's ran at me with the carving knife and um, unbeknownst to me someone else was standing there with a pool cue uh, and as as I'm getting ready for him to come up with a knife the bloke there is hit him with a pool cue but it just stopped him for a split second and he looked and in that split second, I hit him with the things I had. And then um, I, lost my t I lost my temper then because I thought he was trying to kill me. So I jumped on him when he was unconscious and hit him and punched him. And um, yeah, yeah. But he would have tried to kill me. He was? He was trying to kill me. So yeah. um, that's the type, That's the situation when you, you can jump on him and you've got to take him out. And yeah. So it's, it's weird. After you? It was just we had a little bit, tiny little bit of verbal about about an incident that happened years before. It was nothing. As far I, I just thought it was nothing, but he obviously took the arm and went off and came back. The law in this country is weird, isn't it? Because you can only use so much force, can't you? Yeah. But I guess if he's calling you out and he's got a carving knife, yeah, then you've got a degree of self, yeah, defense self protection under the law. Yeah. They said run from a knife. No, run to a gun and run from yeah. a knife. Taxman said that, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I've heard that a lot of times, run towards a gun, run away from a knife. I mean, knife crime in Milton Keynes now, <clears throat> apparently is worse than London in Milton Keynes. Um, yeah, my, my, my son, Matty Jr., he lost his two best mates on the oh. same night, 17-year-olds, oh. both got killed. A load of lads turned up at the party with ballys on and killed, killed the two lads. My son was meant to be there. Uh, he didn't go. He went, he went somewhere else. And... Um, they killed the two lads and they, I think they attempted murder on two others. <clears throat> They've all now got 25 years. I know the parents of both people. I know the parents of the lads who died. I know the parents of the people who got to prison for doing it as well. So it wasn't a random attack? It was, I don't know what, it was an ongoing postcode war or something. Drug gangs. Um, and so everyone's lives have been ruined. Everyone's yeah. lives, both, so the families of both. And I, I'm, I'm talking to Chris Lambriano at the moment about doing... Uh, anti-knife crime campaigns with with Chris because mm. I'm very passionate about good that. Cause, the government good. needs to address the root causes. They've created the situation. Do you think it's a gut? Yeah. You, yeah. They shut down the youth centres. Do you remember that? It's mm -hmm. given nothing to do. And then what the cops we've interviewed have told us is 
that these kids, the postcode wars, it's over the black market in drugs. And the biggest drug is weed. Yeah. If the government legalized weed, you can't stop people taking drugs. But if the government legalized weed, it would take it out of the hands of the gangsters. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, there's no discipline nowadays as well. Mm. I think, you know, like, I, back when I was young, I'd get smacked or I'd get a belt and I'd be told off to have, to, to behave and have manners and respect. I don't think there's a lot of that about nowadays. With I also think it's to do with the dis, um, people not fearing the police. Yeah. No, <laughs> no respect for authority, yeah. No. So that's completely lost and then, you know, we all know why. Yeah. But, uh, and talking to the police, you <laughs> ran over by a police car. Yeah, I was ran over again. I was, well, I was ran over when I was 16. <laughs> I got run over again when I was, <laughs> I think I was 20. Don't have much luck, do you? No, no, no. No, I need to look both ways. No. Um, so what happened, like, the police were obviously watching me and I've come out of my house at about one o'clock in the afternoon, um, just driving around the village I lived in, uh, in Milton Keynes. And I noticed there was a car behind me. It was an unmarked car. So anyway, they're following me around, <laughs> around the village. Unbeknownst to me, they've radioed for backup because they obviously knew it was me. And I've got a history of um, violence to police. So next thing, I rung my brother up, Andrew. I said, Andrew, open the front door because I'm going to be running through there in a minute. My plan was just run in the front door and shut it because I know the police can't come in. I wasn't actually doing anything wrong, but I just thought they'd follow me. So I pulled up in the street next to mine. As I pulled up and got out of the car, my car, the police car came in and ran over me. I fell on the window. I fell on the bonnet and onto the window. And then that made me get angry, obviously. So I've, I've gone up to the car. As he was getting out of the car, I punched him as he's getting out. And I was thinking, oh, I've done, I've done it again now. So I've started to run. And then he's got out and started to run. So I just turned around and ran at him. And as I ran at him, he's got the um, CS gas out and gassed me. And I just ran straight through it and chased him <laughs> in the car. And then, and then he, he's gassed me again. And I'm just chasing him around the car. Were your eyes not streaming nah, at this point? No, nah, I didn't do anything. I got I got gassed I got gassed in Iron Apple once by the door, by the doorman, and that that Sorry. that buckled me. That, that was gel, but this gas didn't do anything. Anyway, but then uh, as I'm running around the car, I heard sirens coming. So obviously he radioed through for backup. Yeah, we got the Terminator on our hands. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought. So I ran. I ran a hundred hmm. yards down the street with all the gas on me. And then all these three or four police cars turned up and I tried to jump through a gap between the police car and the wall, but they opened the door and I hit the door and they all got out and got me. The funniest bit was when they've, when they've handcuffed me, I'm standing up like that. They all fell on the floor coughing from the gas. Oh. And I'm looking at them going, how can you be gassed from the, that gas was on me, just on my face. <laughs> and then um, they took me to the police station and uh, <laughs> That's a that's a blow blow me with a, there's an air hose. Crying. A air hose. Like Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had to blow all the gas off me with an air hose before they let me in the police station. But um that was yeah. I think I've got um I think I've got community service for that one or something. Oh, that's a stroke of luck. <laughs> but that was yeah, that that was at that time I had a big problem with the police because I just I looked at them as <laughs> I looked at them as bullies because of what they did to me as a kid. But now I know, I mean, I've got friends that were, I went to school with that were in the police force. I've got nothing against the police now and I know they're doing their job. But as a youngster, when I got strangled by them and, and hit, I just had that, that bad feeling. But I don't now. 
I, I mean, know. it's easy to stigmatise, isn't it? Yeah. Police force, but there are good and yeah. bad in all of them. There's so. good and bad in every walk of life, in every race, religion, and everything. There's good and bad. So I, I wouldn't discriminate now. I just yeah, That was just me when I was young. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Foreman attacks you, tracks him down, and Norman Buckland helped you? No. Yeah, Norman Buckland. No, they went to Norman Buckland for help. Oh. So what happened... Um, this was a Sunday afternoon. I walked into a pub to have a Sunday dinner and just quiet Sunday dinner. As I walked in, these four blokes who I didn't realise were known troublemakers, they, they see us guest a couple of my mates a few months before, quite was quite good fighters as well. They've they've come up behind me as I'm sitting down for dinner and there's, there's women and children sitting on the table behind. This is how cowardly they are. They had to get me from behind and there was no issue. There was no reason for them to do it. They got me from behind, pulled me off my chair into a little kid right behind me, which I, I don't agree with that. And as they got me on the floor, they tried to hit me a couple of times. I've got off the floor with one on my back. He's on my back and I've just chucked him off. And they're thinking, oh no, he's got up because it, it didn't bother me in the slightest. I've got up. <laughs> as I've got up, um, the w women and kids were crying. So woman's come over and gone, there's kids, there's kids. So I left it. I'm looking at them thinking, you're, you're going to get it. And I left it. I walked out of the pub absolutely fuming because I'm thinking they've done it for nothing. Um, I went home and I almost drove back down there when I got home. I was so angry, but I didn't. Bumped into the, the main one the following day. Bumped into him. just. I was looking for him anyway. But I bumped into him at the, like my local shop. Like this is, this is a shop I've been going to since I was eight years old. I know all the ladies that work there. So as I've seen this bloke in the shop, I went... Hello, mate. And he looked at me like, oh, no. So I just give him a little punch in the shop and I followed him around the shop hitting him. But the women in the shop were like, Matt, Matt, they were telling me to calm down. They gave me a packet of polos to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so out of respect for the women in the shop, I, le I left it and I walked out of the shop because obviously I've known him all my life and I didn't want to cause trouble there. I walked out of the shop and I went up to uh, the top of the shopping district and I rung my mate. I was saying, mate, you better come and pick me up because I'm going to end up doing something to this bloke because they attacked me last night and I've just seen the main one. As I put the phone down, the bloke's come out of the shop and he's walking towards me. He's, he saw me in the phone box. He put his shopping bags down and, and then basically stood there for me to fight him. So I've just gone, right, I've walked, just walked sorry, straight up. I sorry, so after you walked around the shop punching him like yeah. Tom and Jerry, yeah. he continued his shopping. He continued shopping, yeah. <laughs> And he came out of, I remember he had a carton of milk and a bag. I know, it's crazy. So as, as he's put his milk on like that, and I just walked straight up to him and I just grabbed him, I remember it vividly, by the head like that. And just, um, I think I just chucked him straight onto the floor because I was strong. And I just, I think I just knocked him straight out. And then, um, <laughs> and then, I, then um, a woman came past with a buggy, and I just and I just got in my car and drove off. But he was knocked out. And then I went looking. Then I went looking. I found a, his brother because there was two brothers. Mm -hmm. I found his brother's address, and I went around there the, the same day. Knocked on the brother's door. He was very apologetic, and I'm a bit of a sucker for someone apologetic. If someone's rude, and, and I'll I'll get angry. But he was apologetic, and oh no, blah blah blah. So. I, I let him off, I think, and I tracked down the other, there was four of them. I tracked down another one. Anyway, in the, me in the meantime, whilst this is going on, they've gone to Norman Buckland for help, and like Norman's one of the best street fighters. And Norman said to him, nah, he goes, if you've upset Matt, he goes, you must have done something to Matt for him to be looking for you. Yep. And he went, I can't help you. 
With that, one of them moved back to Aylesbury. <laughs> <laughs> one of them moved out of Milton Keynes. Did, did they ever say what motivated them to do it? No, the, the only thing I can think of is there was a little disagreement a little while ago at the city centre, nothing, and I might happen to be there, but it wasn't. It was nothing to do with me. So I don't know whether they, but they were known troublemakers, these lads, and they'd done it, they'd see us guest people in that pub previously. So... Um, I bumped into one of them again. This, this one of them again, he pulled a dog chain out of me. So I started, we had a little back and forth. I was trying to catch him. He was trying to swing a, a chain and I just tried to catch him, but I couldn't catch him. He was back and forwards. What, and he ran off? He was running off. As I'm going towards him, he was swinging a chain. It was like, I couldn't catch him. So, wow. But I went to America. During this, I went to America for a holiday by myself. And the first thing on my mind flying back on the plane was I've got to get the rest of them blokes. That's how my mind was working back then. Um, I was only probably 20, 21. Which state? I went to Los Angeles. I loved why, it. Why did you go? <coughs> just, just for holiday. I went over there with no comment. I just booked two weeks, flew to LA, stayed in a hostel at Venice Beach. Um, oh, Venice Beach. Yeah. yeah. I loved it there. Sorry, why you reminisce it. about America? So, I have yeah. a quick pee. Yeah, yeah. I used to... <laughs> I used to roller boot because there's like yeah. the roller boot lane, there's the yeah. cyclist lane. That's it. And there's the pedestrian lane. Yeah. And muscle, I, I, would, I would just roller boot down there. Yeah. And you should just go all the way down and the, the water's a, there, the weightlifters. The muscle Beach. Yeah, yeah. All, all the fit LA women. Yeah, I used to love it over and there. And they hear the English accent. Yeah, they, all, they think we're Australian over there. They kept, Some do, yeah, from yeah. the north, when you're from the north. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. I, I ended up um, leaving the hostel after a week and then I went to San Francisco, mm. Alcatraz. I went on Alcatraz and I went to Yosemite. Did you see all the hippies in San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, in Ashbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Did well. you drop any acid? No, 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 no. No, <laughs> I've done mushrooms before in Amsterdam with, yeah. Dave, with Dave Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Mm. Day, yeah, I did the mushrooms. I got all paranoid on, on the coach on the way back. Yeah. And I, I got pulled in by the sniffer dog and I was like, oh no, you know when you're on mushrooms and you're freaking out. <laughs> That was, a, that was a good trip. So what did you think about the LA vibe, the people? I, I loved them. The American people were so friendly, so polite. And they always say, like, have a nice day and you're welcome. And I, I love their manners. Yeah. Great manners. And they hear the English accent and it's a talking point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They're really, really friendly. Really and friendly. and you know, like you said, you know, when you're going out where you lived and stuff, you, you kind of attracted troublemakers or people that wanted to challenge you. In LA... For you, was that like it was just completely relaxed for you because no one knew who you was? Yeah, well, yeah, I did actually have a fight in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, how did that come about? Um, in the hostel that we stayed at, because my mate Dan, uh, my good mate Dan Ellis, Dan and John Ellis, who, who I'm very good friends with, he lived in the hostel before me. He recommended to stay there. Uh, one particular night, we were on a drinking session. There was me, some Americans, and a woman from London. She kept on slagging off Milton Keynes. Oh, Milton Keynes. I don't know why. So I kept, I'm having an argument with her. Milton Keynes is a nice place, blah, blah, blah. Sticking up for Milton Keynes. This bloke piped up. He was an LA resident. He was a, one of the people. He lived in Los Angeles, but he popped in. He then got involved. And then we had a little fight, a roll of nothing major, a little roll around. And I was running around LA, the street of LA, fighting him and all this. Was he a big, tough guy? He was actually, he was from LA. He was one part of, um, he, he, yeah, he was quite, yeah, yeah. I didn't win the fight. It was like a right, no one, no one won. It was like, it got broken up. So he, he must have, he was quite tough. Uh, I woke up in the morning and the, the hostel owner, Klaus, his name was, 
he was actually a Ger an albino German bloke. <laughs> Klaus, his name was. Anyone that's in Los Angeles in the 90s would remember Klaus from the ho Hostel, California. He woke me up and said, pack your bags, um, I'm going to call the cops. And I was like, what for? I couldn't remember. He went, because you were fighting in there last night. I'm like, really? Ah, oh, no. So I just got my bags packed. I went straight to the Greyhound station, got on a Greyhound and went to San Francisco. So you had a good time in America then? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it was a, a brilliant holiday. Alcatraz and it was amazing to go in there. All the Have you been to Alcatraz? I've not been to Alcatraz, no. Mm. I, I don't know how people escape from there. Yeah, I know. Like swam it. Yeah. Did they? They didn't know, did they? Or did they? I think one person did. Yeah. I know there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, yeah. Yeah. What was it? Not conspiracy. There's a, there's a rumour that someone did get across. Yeah. I don't know if it's ever been proved. Because they never... I think they, they did a, an experiment with yeah. Mythbusters to see they, if somebody they did, did... It was yeah. a Mythbusters. I used to yeah. love watching that. A great programme. Um, and... <laughs> Next one is another knuckle duster story. Yeah. With the three or four men. Yeah. That was a... I mean, yeah, like I said before, I got hit with knuckle dusters recently in the casino and then years and years back when I was 18... This particular one, they hit me on the forehead. Um, but what happened, same again, in the nightclub, they'd hit a couple of people I knew. Uh, there was a girl and her fella. So I'm trying to find who had hit them. And I walked downstairs to looking for these blokes and they've seen me coming. They've walked up to me and I, I'm, I'm talking to one. The other one punched me with a knuckle duster straight on the head, uh, on the forehead there. And I just, I just knocked him straight out. <laughs> and then these mates... I think they pulled him into the car and as they pulled him into the car, went over and started kicking the car. And um, I think they jumped out with a, not a weapon, it was like a lock, car lock. And then loads of people diffused it and, and stuff like that. It all got diffused, but yeah, knuckle dusters. Um, They're not that popular these days, are they? Um, well, it was a couple of years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> remember Dave Courtney telling us, you know, he goes out with, he went out, used to go out with knuckle dusters. Because that was the amount of time he was prepared to spend in yeah. prison if he got arrested for. He won't go out with a knife or a gun, but knuckle dusters is what. what That's he, what Dave says. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, what do you get for a knuckle duster? Not as much as if you nah. shoot someone else, stab them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there basically, yeah, do, do, do carry the weapon you're prepared to do the, the time for. Yeah. Is what Dave says. Because um, if you're going to carry a knife, you're going to inevitably you're going to use it. So if you're going to carry a duster, yeah. But even a duster, I mean, I, I'd I'd worry about hitting someone without a duster because if you hit someone, they bang their head on the floor. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know people that have got done for that. And I know people. Yeah. Like a guy's girlfriend's had her ass pinched in a bar. He stood up, clocked the guy. Guy's fallen on the corner of the bar or something funny yeah. and dead. Yeah. I know a guy. And then in prison. Yeah. I knew a guy in Western Supermare who the bouncer chucked him out the club. He hit the pavement, hit his head and died. The bouncer chucked him out. Yeah. Yeah. Did the bouncer go to prison? I, I'm not sure, but I need a club. Shut down pretty That's pretty what I mean, yeah. There. Got to be very careful. Yeah. I just try and avoid. I've always been someone to try. If I can, yeah, avoid it, I will. But, you know, if it comes on, you, there's nothing you can do. You've got do you to... think you're lucky with the amount of men you've clocked that one didn't fall funny and, you know, end up? Um, Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because mm, you never know when it's going to happen. If someone, but yeah, one wrong, one wrong punch. And the governor. Oh, I was offered to fight... Yeah, for the governor title, a uh, couple of times, in fact. And um, I think Sven Hamer had it at the time. Ricky English and Joey Pyle were putting the shows on. Um, but yeah, it didn't come It didn't come through in the end. 
And but it was something that always fascinated me was the governor from the, the Lenny McLean, Roy Shaw days, you know, um, that era and the cliff fields and um, all of that. So what would you say your heyday was in your fighting career? Um, probably, yeah, my, my early 30s, late 20s. Yeah. Street fighting or boxing. Well, I would go with both. Um, yeah, late 20s, late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Yeah. What happened with Decker versus Julius Francis? Oh, Julius. Julius, Is yeah. it Julius? Yeah. Julius, you can tell well, you spent time in Mexico. Yeah. I was the corner man for the governor fight, yeah. And um, I don't know, have you, have you seen, you haven't seen the fight, have you? It I've watched some of Decker's fight. I don't know what, which this is a glove. On. This is a glove one. It wasn't really. Is a, it? Yeah, it wasn't. Julius didn't really try. Didn't really try. And, um, Do you think he was paid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a proper fight. I was with Julius the other day and um, spoke to Julius. And yeah, he said I was, he was just playing around. Did it not last long? It was six rounds, six rounds. But yeah, see, I only wanted to be involved, even as a corner man, in real real fights. Um, I'd never want to be involved in anything that's um, anyone's been paid to just lose and all that. What do you think about Decker's recent fights? Um, I was at the Dean Lynch Ward one. Um, They're trying to do a rematch, aren't they? Yeah. 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 I don't think that'd happen. What about no. Decker versus Danny Christie? That was a good fight. Were you there? No, no. no. Paul, Paul Venice was there, wasn't he? That was a really good fight, yeah. Went yeah. on and on and on, didn't yeah, it? Just covered in blood. It was I don't think um, both The endurance of, of both of yeah. them. Yeah, and they both hadn't trained for that, I don't think. Wow. But um, Danny Christie, yeah, I went up to Danny Christie's... Um, I sparred with him a few months back, Danny Christie, and I did his podcast, yeah. So shout out to Danny Christie. Definitely. Yeah. We'd love to get him on as well. Have you not had him on yet? No, I think we're in discussion, but uh, it's not happened so far. Yeah. yeah, yeah, putting a good word. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you fought legendary fighter James Tony. Yeah, have you heard of James Tony? No, no. Can, can no. You tell me? So James Tony is an all-time great American boxer. Um, definitely one of the toughest boxers, probably of all time. He's had ninety-one professional fights. He'd never been stopped. And the, a lot of these were world world level. He went from middleweight up to heavyweight and he won the title, the world title at every weight. I think he got the heavyweight one taken back off him. But he knocked out Evander Holyfield fairly easily. He sort of played with Holyfield as well. Um, so he was um, yeah, a very, very good fighter. And I fought him in prize fighter, Eddie Hearn's prize fighter. And uh, he came in in good shape. Well. Same weight that he knocked out Holyfield, about 15 and a half stone. And um, I couldn't really go and try and knock him out because he's, you can't knock him out. So I had to change my game plan and try and hit him with little light punches and just move around him because he was 45 then. He wasn't in his prime. And um, yeah, it was just an honour to be in the ring with him. I was going to ask how your fighting style has changed over the years. That's a good question, yeah. Thank you. It is a very good because. I feel like I'm a more complete fighter now I've retired. Yeah, so that's a good question because when I was fighting, I was more like a Mike Tyson aggressive come forward style. But as I've been training other fighters, I've adopted, I can go backwards sideways. I've got a different defense now. Um, I've, I've got more varied defense and more varied footwork. But yeah, it's, it's a lot different now. I'm a more, more of a counter puncher now. Mm. And which fighter would you say your technique is like? <laughs> Um, it was like a bit like 
Mohammed. No, not no, not Mohammed. He played the my, ropes. My footwork's not as good as that, but more like Mike Tyson. I come forward with with my chin down low, coming in with jabs and and hooks, uppercuts, and keeping very low, because I normally fight people that are taller. So when you fight someone taller, you want to make yourself smaller, so you're less target. I didn't see. I wouldn't have figured that out. You've got to yeah. make yourself smaller for someone taller. Yeah, when they're tall, because they've got to punch down then. So I come in really tucked up and low. Do a really poly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forward rolls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jump back up. Um, so the next one is, I was on a building site when I, <laughs> Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Wow. So. We talked, obviously touched on him at the beginning. But what year was that? That was 2014. So I got a phone call. I, I was on Milton Keynes Don's stadium, football stadium, lifting plasterboard up and down stairs. And my manager at the time, Mervyn Turner, rang up and said, uh, do you want to fight Anthony Joshua at Wembley Stadium on the Cole Foch George Groves rematch in front of, well, this was going to be the biggest night in British boxing. And I just said, yeah, straight away. I didn't even ask what the money was. <laughs> I mean, I would, have, I would have done it for free. I would have, I would have done it for free. Um, so I said, yeah, I'll do it. I got a couple of months of training. Uh, Anthony Joshua at that time had knocked everyone out in the first round, second round. So nobody wanted to fight him. No one wanted to fight him. They were trying to, they had to get a British opponent because it was the Wembley do. They didn't want to bring in a, a, someone from another country. They wanted to keep it all uh, British. So <clears throat> the only, someone suggested Matt Legg will fight him and they rang me up and I said, yeah, I'll do it. Um, and then I found out just before that um, AJ had actually um, been at my earlier fights. AJ used to support me when he was young. So I was quite chuffed to hear that. Um, and, I, and I spoke to him the day before at the press conference and it was daunting though, it was daunting. To get in with six feet, he makes me look tiny. He's six foot, have you seen the pictures of us together? No. no. I'll show you after, but he makes me look tiny, AJ. I was looking up to him like that. And he's what, um, is he six foot one. He's six foot six. Six six. Six maybe. Yeah, Giant. six. But he's, he had not an ounce of fat on him, and he was eight, about seventeen and a half stone, something like that. And he knocked everyone out. <clears throat> Olympic champion, just a just a specimen. And um, so my plan was the tactics that we said was just go me and my trainer, attack him, attack him full on for two rounds, and if you haven't took him out in two rounds, just take the consequences. So that was what I did. I came out low rolling under every punch you threw I tried to get underneath and I just went at him and I just threw bombs at him trying to take him out uh, he even said whoever landed the first punch was going to win and um, he just got I nearly caught him with a big left hook he just got his chin out of the way but um, he caught me with a few shots before and then he ended it with a big uppercut and he broke my eye socket um, I had three months of nerve damage in my face and it was numb my whole, my, my right side of my face was numb for probably about six weeks. And then the feeling started coming back. <laughs> yeah, He's that. caused some damage in his yeah. time. I know he had a, a fight. It was somebody who's actually from my neck of the woods from Trowbridge and knocked him out. And punch, he ended up in the hospital. Yeah. I can't remember his name for the life. He's, he has damaged a lot of people. Um, He's broken a lot of bones. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you thought, right, I'm going to go at him. Yeah, I went at him. I went at him, which I was 38 years old as well, which for head boxing terms is old. And he was only, I think he was 24. But even if I'd have been young and, and fit, I don't think I would have stood a chance. He's just, he's a, he's another level. He's another level. And um, 
yeah, he's, he, I watched his career, followed his career and supported him all, all the way along. What um, is he up to now? I'm not sure what's happened now because he's lost, I think he's lost three of his last five. I wanted to see him fight Fury. That was what everyone wanted. But um, What about Deontay? He's dangerous, Deontay mm. Wilder. Do you want to see him fight Deontay? <laughs> don't know. That'd be messy. Yeah, because Deontay Wilder's lethal. Eh? Mm. I've, I've, spoke to pe I've spoke to people <laughs> that have been in the ring with Deontay Wilder, Klitschko, and AJ, and they said Wilder is by far the hardest puncher, and then, then it's Klitschko, and then it's AJ. But um, that shows a level, because AJ, if AJ hits you, even through your gloves, even if you block it, you feel the power through the gloves, oh. it rocks you through the gloves. Shows how good Fury is as well, doesn't yeah, it? Fury, yeah. yeah, Fury's just got that natural boxing style, and he just moves so well, and... Very charismatic as yeah, well. Yeah, Fury, yeah, he is, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah I like Tyson. Tyson Fury said... The day before I fought AJ, I got a message. He said, Matt, he went, headbutt him, kick him in the bollocks, bite him, knee him. <laughs> he goes, do every, anything you can in one round uh. to beat him. He's obviously joking, but it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you're watching this, Tyson, we'd love to get you on the podcast. Wild, Wild Man was a big fan. I watched his documentary he did with his wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. Paris. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's pretty It horrible. was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the video when his kids came in when he was doing the workout in the morning? The kids, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Because he, he had his battle with addictions as well, like, yeah. like yourself. Yeah. He's uh, drinking it. He had the drinking and drugs, depression. He, he gets the same thing. He has to train, otherwise, he gets low mood. That's what I get like. If I don't train or I don't get fresh air, countryside, uh, I get my mood starts going. Mm. And Tyson Fury is the same. He's, he's, yeah, it's like an addiction. Training becomes your addiction. So would you say you've got an addictive personality? Yeah, I think I have, yeah. Or an overactive mind? Yeah, both probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> both. Yeah. And so fighting is, is your solace? Yeah, fighting and... Because now I've started hitting the bag again, it's just reignited. I just feel alive again, hitting the punch bags and looking forward to sparring. And uh, I got an offer from a bare-knuckle fighter to fight... Jack Draper, shout out to Jack Draper. Um, I've never been challenged before and he put a very polite, respectful offer. He said, if you want to do any sparring or if you want to do a bare knuckle against me. But it was very polite. And I just said- <laughs> That's I, what counts. <laughs> yeah. I just said, yeah, I'm up for that because it's a challenge to have a bare knuckle fight. Not only a bare knuckle fight, but against one of the top bare knuckle fighters. He's about 19, 20 stone, but he moves very, very well. And he's a he's a good bloke. He's got his own YouTube channel, and um, he's, he carries himself with respect, and he doesn't get involved in all the dramas and stuff like that. So I like that about him. So that should be happening next year. I can't wait. We'll I'm gonna get come. yeah yeah. You'd be more than welcome. I'm trying to get a boxing match before that as a warm up, and then the fight after. Just you're not gonna watch. Oh, it's 3D Fight Club, isn't it on Friday? It's a yeah, Manchester that to is it? Yeah, going to Fight Club. Yeah, yeah you go. I was invited to the first one. I was meant to fight. I was meant to fight on the first one, but oh, I, sure. yeah. But I thought, let me watch the show first to see how it is, and then they're, they're ever growing because they started off quite obviously a new company or event. You start off the first year, mm. and it's more than double, doesn't it? Uh, they What's went from four hundred to two thousand, and they think maybe four thousand on Friday. Is this, is this all these Ukrainians coming over? Is this their, is this their third one? Third, third one. one. Yeah. We were yeah. at the first one. Where? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. brutal, isn't it? I was yeah. meant to go. I was meant first to go. time I watched anything like that properly. Yeah. Like, the, Dean Lynch yeah. Ward invited me to go. I was yeah. talking to him back then about fighting. You should come this Friday. They've done, they've done yeah, really well, the fellas. Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh no, I'm with Kevin Lane on Friday. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next I'll time. Come, next time, yeah. Next time. Yeah. What, what's your worst injuries? 
worst injuries from fighting? Yeah, off from anything. Uh, off from anything. <laughs> yeah. um, Open question. <laughs> the worst, I mean, I've got, that happened in a fight a few years back. I didn't even notice till the fight it was broken. Someone snapped it. Whilst I was, snapped. Do you I know how many fighters I've seen with that injury? Yeah. I didn't even notice it till the following day. How was it snapping? I, I was pulling someone out of a car and um, he just must have snapped it and I didn't realise. <sighs> the knuckle's broken. It's, you can't even flatten it, straighten it. Um, the most painful injury was the the, the broken jaw, yeah, the knuckle imagine. duster. Um, AJ in the eye socket was painful. I got hit on the head with... Um, a piece of metal in a fight once and that was fairly painful. <laughs> Have you got a scar lower down as well? That's yeah. a scar there. What's that one? Um, that was when I, I put my own head through a window. So you probably sustained more injuries outside of boxing. Yeah, 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 much more, much more. I've done, yeah, I've been, yeah, I got hit with um, a couple of times with bits of wood, bits of metal, um, the CS gas time. Oh, the, uh, the CS gas when I got gassed in Iron Appa by five doormen. Um, <laughs> it was the last day of my holiday. And I've just just gone over there with, at the time, my new missus. She, she was the mother of my children. But I'm not with her now, but we'd just gone on holiday. And the last day of the holiday, we couldn't get into the nightclub. And we, we needed a couple more quid to get in. And the, we couldn't get in. So as we're standing there trying to work out how we're going to get in, the doorman have pushed me out which I don't like, I, I'm always polite and respectful to people, so I expect people to be the same. So I've then offered the doorman out, <laughs> stupidly being drunk. There's about four or five of them, I've just offered them all out to fight outside. They didn't come out. So I'm thinking, why are they not coming out? But what they were doing, they were planning what they were going to do. So anyway, they wouldn't come out. So I've gone to walk off. And as I'm walking off, they jumped out of a side door and they shouted at me. And I, as I've looked, it was a lump of gel, CS gel. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's not the gas, it's, a, it's gel. And it landed in my face. And that, it buckled me, buckled me straight away. They came out with these koshies and that, uh, and started koshing me, uh, and hitting me with these koshies. Um, so I'm, I'm just, can't even see. I'm trying to fight back. And as, as the gas started to clear, I started to fight back. And then they just got me again with the gel. <laughs> and then they were koshing me and all this, and yeah. Yeah, it was carnage. Have you been back to Iron Apple since? <laughs> no, no. But I did enjoy the holiday apart from that bit. You said that right, one yeah. came from putting your head through the, a window. Why did your head go through a window? <clears throat> yeah, that was another bad one. That was, um, I, had a, I had a drinking competition with a mate of mine. <laughs> we started them. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was on a Sunday afternoon in my dad's pub. And my mate, his brother was the one who got shot in uh, abroad a few weeks previously so we're having a drinking competition he's collapsed on the floor and i thought he died so i'm trying to revive him so i'm thinking that's two brothers that have died in the space of i don't know a couple of months i've got upset and this is in my dad's pub i've walked out of my dad's pub and i've just punched the back gate nothing major my dad's come out and he's had a go at me and i just i just flipped i grabbed hold of my dad and punched the door behind him the wall didn't punch him punched the door then I've gone in the pub and just gone on a rampage because I'm in I'm in tears thinking my mate's dead and my dad's turned on me. So I just flipped, picked up beer barrels and luckily someone pulled a beer barrel off me. As I'm walking out, rather than hurt anyone, I just I, I, I stupidly put my head through a window. And How painful? I didn't feel it at the time. And then I, then I put it through another window and then another window. Oh, you did three in one night? Yeah. 
and I'm covered from head to toe in blood. Um, covered from head to toe. Felt really bad because there's old ladies in the pub that I, I that have known me since I was a kid that I get on well with, and I felt really, really bad. But it just that that temper came out, and rather than take it out of my dad, I took it out of myself. And I've walked around the pub, gone to the pub opposite. And, I, and they had their window, everyone was looking. So I've gone, what are you all looking at? Police have come and I'm in the street covered head to toe in blood. The police have come and I've just said to the police, because I, I didn't like them at that point. I've gone, come then to the police, get your weapons out and offering the police out and ambulance turned up. I wouldn't go in the ambulance. They had to call my mum from, um, she lived about 45 minutes away. I was on the streets. The police wouldn't come near me. The police sat in the car, wouldn't come near. And, um, Eventually, my mum got here and she just said, um, come come in the ambulance and go. So I listened to her and I went to the hospital. That was one of them. It might not have been that one. It might have been a couple of ones on there. How long were you in the hospital for? Um, not that long. I stitched it up. And then I woke up the following day like, oh, my God, what have I done? I said to my dad, I said, Dad, look, I'm, I'm sorry about what's happened. But because the reason when I was punching the gate, I said, Dad, you're the last person that should antagonise me when, I've, when, I've, when I'm upset because I had a bit of resentment for, um, I'm grateful and resentful at the same time for how he brought me out. He was very strict with me and I got smacked and all that. And I said, that's why I flipped out. Mm. So you know my future ex-husband, Tom Hardy? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Future ex-husband, yeah. shout out Tom Hardy. I know, he's, he's, he, everyone loves Tom, don't they? Oh yeah. Everyone. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I met Tom Hardy through, through Charlie Bronson and... Tom wasn't a well-known actor then. This is 2007. Charlie had the film being made and he said, um, can you go down, he said to me and his family, can you go to London and meet, it was in The Blind Beggar, can you meet the actor who's going to be playing me? So we're like, who is it? And he's like, Tom Hardy. But I didn't know him. He'd been in, he'd been in Black Hawk Down and a couple of other films, Stuart Life Backwards. But we met Tom and Tom actually got a picture of me. Tom, <laughs> which is crazy because I didn't know he was. He got a picture of me and... We got on really well, me and Tom, and I went to um, a few nights out with him and he actually took me to, which is one of the highlights of my life, he took me to the Iron Man film premiere, the very first Marvel film. Robert Downey Jr. Robert, yeah. So I walked down the red carpet with Tom, um, Toby Kebble, do you know Toby Kebble? Mm -hmm. Me, Tom, Toby Kebble, and my mate Mark Fish. Thank you, Mark, as well, by the way. Uh, Mark's a good mate of mine. And we actually walked down the red carpet, Robert Downey Jr. was there. That, that was like... That was your dream. goal, wasn't That's it, my childhood? Goal. That was my yeah. goal. My goal as a child was to go to a big film premiere. And that was, it. and not only that, to go with Tom Hardy and wow. sit in. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, when you go into a film premiere, you've got Robert Downey Jr. next to you, Tom yeah. Hardy walking you down. Toby Kevill was there. Yeah. Uh, Simon Pegg was sitting in front of us. You know Simon Pegg? Yeah, he's... And when, when uh, Iron Man flies for the first time, <laughs> Simon Pegg jumped out of his seat and chucked <laughs> his popcorn everywhere. It was, it was honestly, it was amazing. Um... What is Tom Hardy like as a person? Yeah, he's sound. He's sound. I always got on with him and yeah, we used to speak quite a bit on the phone. I, I, I've lost touch with him now. I mean, he's A-lister now and he's big, but um, we used to talk on the phone quite a lot. I uh, saw him at weddings and um, I went to quite a few film premieres with him. Uh, went to the Bronson premiere, a few Bronson showings and yeah, Tom, yeah. He's, he's one of my favourite actors. Yeah, mine. definitely. He, he, he's the best at playing the hard men. When he did and, the, and the, the craze. Women. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. Was it The yeah. Revenant he was in? Revenant. Well? Oh, was that's good. one of my all time favourite films. Revenant, Lawless. Yeah. 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 
Um, he's brilliant. He's just a warrior. He, he just and he's di different. He's a chameleon. He's he's a true actor. Uh, some you get actors and you get movie stars. Movie stars play themselves, not like Clint Eastwood, uh, people like that. But a actors, Johnny Depp, Tom mm. Hardy, they're chameleons. He's different in every role. Different voice, different mannerisms. Uh, he's yeah, he's one of my favourite actors. Definitely. And we've had Chris Lambriano on the channel. Yeah. So you're doing an anti knife campaign with him. Yeah. Yeah, we were meant to go to London a couple of weeks back. I love Chris. Um, Chris is one of my favourites as well. Um, so that's going to be in the pipeline, joining up with that, highlighting, yeah, the um, knife crime. So Frank Bruno. Yeah, I met Frank about 15 years ago. I got a phone call from my mate, Manny, and he said, um, do you want to help Frank Bruno out? He's getting a bit of trouble. And I, I didn't even ask what it was. I just said, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have to do anything. It just got sorted anyway. I don't know what happened, but it got sorted. <laughs> and then Frank, to thank us, he took us out for a, a meal, me, Manny, and a few others. And uh, we had a like two, three-hour meal with Frank and got to know him. And he doesn't live far from me. He, he lives not far so um, from Milton Keynes. So I've been around his house a few times, took him on the pads. Um, he plays his decks. He, he likes his DJing. Mm. Um yeah, Frank's, he's one of my favourites as well. Growing up, he was always yeah. in the news, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah well, he's a, he's a true British sporting hero. Yes. yes. He really is. Yeah. Seems like a gentleman. He's, he's lovely. He's lovely. He's 60 years old now, still keeps fit, still trains three times a day. Um, wow. I saw him uh, about a month ago. And yeah, I love Frank, yeah. Well, shout out to Frank if you're watching yeah, this. We'd love yes, to get you Frank. on the channel. Yes, all <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> so go on, your favourite fighter of all time. Favourite fighter of all time. The most exciting one to watch was Mike Tyson for me. Definitely. Most exciting. Do you remember same, same. Stay up till four in the morning that not, and it would always entertain you. Even if it was a one round knockout, it's just, even in walking to the ring, he had that aura about him. But I love Evander Holyfield, uh, George Foreman, Lennox Lewis, um, Tyson Fury. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali I do as well, Joe Frazier and You're basically reading off all the greats, right? Yeah, the greats, yeah. <laughs> but I suppose Mike Tyson is the one I studied the most. Um and Holyfield. Yeah. Holyfield's heart. I love Holyfield's heart. And he beat Tyson, didn't he, twice as well. So which goes to show James Tony, who I thought for him to stop Holyfield, Holyfield only got stopped twice, and one of them was James Tony. Shows that how good James Tony was. So James Tony's another one of my favourite fighters. Mm. If you ever watch him fight, his defence, he's known as one of the greatest defensive boxers. Mm. And you actually got a debt in for Charles Bronson? Yeah. Yeah, I got a, <laughs> I got a phone, because I, I did a lot of debt collecting. I didn't, don't think I touched on that, but I did a lot of debt collecting. When I packed in the other stuff, uh, when, my kids, when my kids were getting old enough to know that I didn't have a nine to five, I thought I'm going to, I'm going to retire from it all, probably about 15 years ago. And, I, and I, all I would do then is just a few debt collecting jobs, which I thought was basically, it's not even, it's just helping someone get their money back. So the Charlie Bronson one, I did it for his family. Um, went around, I did the same bloke three times. He owed money for three different people. I had to knock on his pub three <laughs> times. I knew him as well. I felt the third time I didn't even want to do it. <laughs> and um, I just went, I knocked on the door. I said, look, I'm back again and you owe this money to so-and-so. And he just, yeah, I do. He, straight away, yeah, I do. Because that's how I do my debt jobs. Normally, I just talk to them and say, look, come on. And that's it. That's it. And yeah. then job done. Normally, I'll know them or they'll know me. And he paid the money up. And uh, Charlie got his bit. I got my bit. And the family got their bit. 
I got a nice a nice letter from Charlie saying, nice one, Matt, good bit of work. Keeps me in Mars bars or something. <laughs> so you said that they, they mostly just pay up. What have, have you got any stories of when they've not paid up? Um, well, some of them that didn't pay. I mean, what happened lately, the police get called a lot of times now. So it's not even worth doing them job. I don't even do them anymore. Um, and they're filming you walking in and all yeah, that Yeah, the, there's cameras around yeah. and all that. So no, honestly, most of the job, I was doing it for years and years and years. And I was, honestly, 99% of the time, I'd knock on the door. I used to do them on my own by myself as well. I'd knock on the door and say, look, uh, you owe this amount of money, blah, blah, blah. And, and they would invariably say, okay, how can I pay it? I'd give them an opportunity to pay it in installments or if they've got it now. I did one <laughs> I did one debt job. I think it was um, three lads had robbed, I think it was about 10 grand out of someone's safe, but they were cage fighters and they were doing a few robberies. But I made a, I, I found them within an hour and I said, listen, and luckily they knew who I was and I, I vaguely knew them, but they've been doing robberies and they can be a cage fight. I got, I spoke to them, I said, listen, what cash have you got now? They said, we ain't got anything. I said, well, what cars have you got? And they gave me the Subaru, they had a Subaru. That paid off some of it. And they gave me a bit of cash. And I think they went out and did a robbery to get arrested and they got caught. So they ended up in prison, but they paid off and then they did a robbery to get the last bit in and got caught. What would you do if Matt came round yours for 10 grand? <laughs> <laughs> you owed him like, you owe someone 10. <laughs> I'd always be polite. Though. I would never be. Yes, please. <laughs> so is that when you retired from crime? Would yeah, you say? packed it in years and years. Yeah, years ago, it just... I've just thought I've had, a, I've had, I've been so lucky to only ever do that one prison sentence back in the nineties. And I thought your luck's going to run out eventually, you know, that anyway, your luck's going to run out. So, um, my kids were growing up. I don't want to be a bad example to them. Uh, I've told, I've told them the stuff I've got up to and I, to try and warn them not to go down that route. Um, but yeah, packed it all in and then concentrated on the boxing and got the two big fights at the end of my career, which, really I'm really grateful for and um yeah that was it what inspired you to start on YouTube it was you <laughs> <laughs> um I had a YouTube channel up for for about about 10 years but it was just like a couple of my fights and no one had watched it I had 15 subscribers um <laughs> in May this year I had 15 subscribers I think um I don't know what it was. Maybe I saw someone else. I don't know. May I add, I subscribed to you last night. Did, did, did you? Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Mind. I appreciate <laughs> that. Link is, link is in the description box if you want to subscribe to Matt. Like and subscribe. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've got, and do you know what I love about it now? I, I thought there was a lot of negativity around YouTube, but I, I'm so happy that almost all my comments are positive. You get the occasional one, but in general, they're really good. And I'm grateful to all my subscribers and to everyone who supports the channel. And it's really, really... It gives me a, a focus as well now and it keeps me, it's another thing that keeps me from drinking and stuff because you need to have your ideas for your videos because you've got to keep the content coming out. So to have a clear mind and to be training and stuff and a lot of people say they're inspired by me not drinking as well mm. on, on my channel. So it's nice to be helpful if I can to people trying to abstain from cool. the drink and the drugs. I mean, when did you discover it was getting out of control with your drinking? It always has been. I was drinking from the age of 13 because we lived in a pub. I'd go down, if my mum and dad went out, I'd go down in a pub with my mate and drink. A fifth, I could get in pubs at 14, 13, 14. I was getting served in pubs. Um, but when it was getting out of control, 
it was recently, probably f three months ago, when I drank five bottles of wine on the Queen Jubilee. I've drunk five bottles of red wine. And I thought, I woke up the next day and thought, that's disgusting. That, that, what that's doing to my liver and my, my body. Um, and I was drinking it. So then, I, then I went on to vodka, thinking it's cheaper. So I was drinking a bottle and a half of vodka three or four times a week. And I, just, and I, I was still doing YouTube videos. And I was thinking, I can't, I can't keep doing it because long-term health. And what helps you to sustain? To abstain. Um, abstain even, sustain. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, fights lined up. So say I've got the fight with Jack Draper. That helps me. Um, my YouTube channel really helps me now because I want to keep people motivated and on the same path. So keeping, and just, yeah, just keeping a clear head for the videos. My, my kids as well, obviously, to be healthy for my kids. I don't want to be, uh, they say when you stop drinking, it decreases so much the chances of throat cancers and liver cancer. So many uh, negative health things are going to happen to you. So I've stopped all that and hopefully it'll pay off, give me a few extra years or a healthier later life. Look at Wild Man, he died in his yeah. late 40s and he, yeah. he couldn't quit the drinking. It was Wild Man late 40s, yeah, my age. So that contributed to his... Yeah. It was multiple organ failure in the end, but he was just on the cider, leading yeah. the cider. How many was he drinking per day? Daily, yeah. Just like, a, lot, a lot from what I saw, yeah. He must have, heart, get heartburn from all that. Mm. Mm. And as, as you were saying earlier before we podcasting, he was saying how it is poison. Yeah. Yeah, and people don't realise what they're putting in their bodies. Obviously, I'm not here to educate people on alcohol abuse, but it's you, yeah. you are drinking to inebriate yourself yeah because yeah. that's yeah if i can't have one drink you know like people can go to the pub which pub don't stop yeah yeah i, mm. I will drink until i'm asleep mm. even if i drink indoors watching films which is what i did in the end because going out to pubs in milton Keynes will guarantee someone will offer me something and, and a, a bit of coke or something and i'll be out for three days and it will ruin my week so what i did i started to, to separate myself from going out i stayed in and I'd drink indoors, but watching films, like Scarface, Carlitos, all of that. <laughs> watching all my favourite films, but I'd, I'd drink just as much indoors, mm. which is probably, they say it's even worse when you're doing that. So I wasn't even a social drinker in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've packed it all in. Stopped it all four to 14 weeks this weekend. Well not a drop of drink. Thank well you. Done. Well done. Thank yeah, you. Seriously. So how does it feel having this wonderful community of viewers uh, sending you comments and messages and from all over the world? Yeah. How that, does that feel that, to yeah. have that? That is that, the, the YouTube channel really, it does make you feel, it does make you feel good. because It's life changing, isn't it's it? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's life changing. And I've looked on my thing, I've got so many people from Australia, America, uh, all over the world. In fact, I've got more people from Australia than I have my own my own hometown. <laughs> so it's lovely, and I get so many positive messages, and um, it just really does cheer you up. And then you occasionally you get the negative one, but you just got. Uh, I sometimes reply to them. <laughs> but they take all that time out of the day yeah. to send you something negative. Yeah, I bet it, we get it, trolled more than him, it, though. It, it's actually like <laughs> a form of uh, love, kind of, really, isn't it? That yeah. they took, they spent that time yeah. to think about you and put and put that down yeah. into words. What gets me is the people that know the title of your video and they watch the whole video and say. Well, that was a waste of time. Like, oh, oh no. my you God. Or, or they'll slag off the video, but you knew what the video was about. Um, I just um, I just can't stand negativity because it's, it's draining. You know, the YouTube beefs and all of that stuff goes on. I don't know how people 
can keep their energy up with all that negativity. I okay, I don't what it is, they get rewarded because they get the view. So Dekahegi versus this, or Dekahegi's done that. They'll they know they will get loads of views off it. Yeah. So that's a reward for them to keep it going. Do you know what I think about it though? There's no long term in terms of views. If you've got content that's timeless, you're going to get views five years down the line. Like what we've that, just done. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those Life those those, those beef those beef videos. They're, they're they've got a shelf life. It's temporary 100%. and it's toxic. It's temporary. It's yeah. temporary and toxic. It really is. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. You don't want the toxic views because they're temporary views. Yeah. I, I was following a lot of the toxic stuff and, and it, I just, it drained me. It's the sewer. Yeah, it drained me. I was in there because it does. <laughs> it sucks you in, doesn't sewer. it? Because yeah. it's like, you know, whatever the latest drama is, it's like the high school thing, isn't it? That's what everyone focuses yeah, on. There's, there's YouTube channels devoted to videos about that stuff. There's, there's YouTube channels. So, there's, a, there's, a, there's a cottage industry just around Decker Heggy right now. Yeah. <laughs> they all say they're trying to destroy him. But I think he's feeding off them and they're just feeding off him. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> me, yeah, it's vicious circle. I've just kept well away from it. And my subscribers are going up and up and up. It's, yeah. So what is uh, your vision for the channel? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm interviews I've got coming up. Um, Kevin Lane, I'm going to do a little bit with on Friday uh, after his show. Uh, the Norman Buckland interviews have gone down really well. Uh, I did one a um, couple of days ago. It's had 55,000 views. Sweet. Because everyone loves Norman, the way he tells yeah. a story. And he's had such an interest in life. <laughs> and he's got a, a positive, no negativity about him at all. Um, so I'm also thinking of, yeah, it's going to be just, I want to expand it and do train, do be training videos and people want tips and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's, um, it's definitely something I'm focused on because it's going so well. I think I'm gaining a couple of thousand subscribers a month well done. at the That's minute. Good. So I'm really, really pleased with it. I'm really grateful to everyone. You get 100,000 YouTube plaques in. Is subscribers you get a hundred yeah, oh that... you get like this silver sean didn't get his <laughs> they've lost it in the post <laughs> you know you know you went from four thousand it took you four years didn't it yeah yeah so how did how quickly to get from that to 700 so we started in 2007 with the blog started in 2004 then there was youtube in 2007 and uh, we only posted sporadically on it we didn't really focus on it it was mostly the blog so that first five years or so, you know, 2,000 subs is what I think I had. Yeah. What happened was, it, it started to pick up on some of the videos we did. And um, I went on True Geordie podcast. God, that must have been about five or six years ago now. And I've not looked back since going on this podcast. The subs just started to go. It's exponential growth. The more you've got, the more. Yeah. And then we did a lot of coverage on a, a case that we can't talk about on this channel anymore. Um, that involved um, someone who was suicided in a New York prison, famous person. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. We had 60 million views on that case alone, and that was half the channel. And then we lost the channel over it twice. But the viewers lobbied Twitter on Twitter, uh, YouTube, and, and they brought it back. So huge thanks to the viewers. And um, But we, we were getting 10 to 15 million views a month at that stage on that story so then we were not we were knocked down to about um that's good. a million views a month but in the last couple of months now it started to come back up i think we had six million in october so youtube the thing is it six million views in a month yeah yeah but we used to get 10 to 15 million with that case wow. that we can't talk about anymore we fed off that for a while but the, but the thing, the thing is nice. about youtube matt 
YouTube launches you and you think you, you've got it going and it knocks take, you right takes, back down. Takes it away from you. Takes it away. So my advice is don't do anything controversial. No. I've kept so many people's stuff off out of my channel. Yeah. You don't want to get caught up in got that. To. Um, the, the other thing is as well, it's not human beings that are watching your channel. It's artificial intelligence. So certain words you use yeah. on your channel, they're screening for it. And if those words are words that, that, that they penalize you, then they promote your video to less people. That's called getting shadow banned. I've heard about that. Yeah. Mm. Is that what it yeah is? We've, we've been through stages of being shadow banned. So you've got to be careful yeah. on the words. That are, yeah. The more you upset the algorithm, the less the algorithm will promote your videos. And we live or die by the algorithm. Yeah. We live or die by the algorithm. Yes. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hashtags as well, with someone said, is important. Hashtags are important. We put a lot of like city terms, like, you know, London. Giving all your secrets away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Sign up for my course. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it, it, it is strange though. I'll put the same video out. I've got three interviews with Norman Buckland. Yeah. I'll put very similar ones and I'll put them out one day after another. One, it's 50,000. One, mm. it's five. And one, it's 20. It's weird how it pushes certain ones out and not certain others. Depends on time of day you release the video, depends on your thumbnail, depends on your video title, yeah. depends on the immediate engagement. Algorithms yeah. looking at Co all these comments, things. Comments, likes. Engagements. Engagement. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether the comments are good or bad, YouTube just views it all as engagement. Yeah. So some of the most viral videos in history have just been all hate, but because the people argue and fight all over it, YouTube yeah. sees it as engagement pushes, and promotes it, it more. It out. Yeah. So trolls actually help videos. Yeah. Yeah, the negative comments. Because I, I, I think it was um, someone was deleting comments off a Dave Courtney video, and Dave <laughs> called them up and says, "What are you doing? Fucking deleting all these negative comments about me?" The first one thought he was protecting him, mm. but you're not. You're actually spoiling the engagement by yeah. deleting those comments. For me deleting some naughty comments on me. Shall I just leave them up now? You're spoiling the engagement when you take those down. <laughs> Why have you not rang me up and let go? <laughs> <laughs> Jen's, just, Jen's got her own channel now where she's starting to interview people on oh, right. but, but you've not looked at what countries are viewing you yet are you? I, I don't know you're my manager on analytics I saw you with, on Yvette Fielding's yeah did you? I know Yvette yeah. she's great I isn't know Yvette, she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really I want to, yeah I like her channel as well are you going to go on us? I'd love to actually I, I think know Yvette yeah, yeah I'd love to Liam's a good, good guy we just, we just went there over two days with Liam in Scotland oh have you? Paul oh. Stansby's wedding yeah yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah, drive yeah. Yeah. they both sat there like Lady Mark. didn't know what a good driver Jen was yeah yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on the car Liam was like are you right to drive are you right to drive I said yeah, yeah of course three hours drive. later <laughs> what, what was Paul's wedding like, like I've spoken oh, oh, Paul shout got the, out Paul Stansby Paul yeah. Stansby podcast he's got the Paul's got the biggest heart in the world yeah. I don't know if you saw what we did with him about his brother getting yeah, murdered I did heartbreaking story and yeah. he's on a mission to save lives now yeah. so he raises money if people have been injured in towns there's these kits that they finance in that just you know stop the bleeding and yeah. save these people and i like paul i've been to go on his podcast as well so he's invited me on at some point oh you should, oh, you should. Uh, yeah I will, you should. I will do yeah. you've got a lineup now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah <laughs> i've been on liam's i've done liam's one yeah, he said. Yeah, yeah. Liam, yeah. I know, because we had um, Jimmy Tippett on, and Liam goes, yep, did him 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, seven-hour round trip to Scotland, bro, is how many podcasts you've done after Liam? Yeah. Liam's yeah, Liam, Liam was the pioneer, wasn't yeah. he? A lot, of, a lot of these guys. He was bang on it at the beginning. Yeah. He's going to he get was. back into it as well now. Yeah. It's just all this wedding and... Yeah. But, but you asked about subs then. So my sub growth has come, a lot of it's come from, besides the, that case... Um, collaborations with people who've got a lot of subs. 
Yeah. So I've been on channels like PKA in America. They, I think they've got like 20 million combined of four guys. So, yeah. Vla Vlad, he's, Vlad, got, Vlad TV, he's yeah. got a lot as well. Uh, True Jordy, he's got about yeah. 2 million. You always see a, a, a huge, your subs just shoot up when you do these yeah, collaborations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you do a lot of shorts? No. Get the shorts in by February. Yeah. They'll be monetizing them. Yeah, YouTube has said uh, they're prioritizing shorts. I heard about so that. So a lot of our sub-growth has come from shorts in recent months as well. Mm. Yeah, I might start putting some shorts on. I can do little, yeah, bits and bobs of training. A little and this and that. Yeah. When, I was speaking to, when I was speaking to you, I was just I was seeing various shorts. Were you? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the scar on the head story and all this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to get those little bits of the oh, graphic right. hardest yeah, yeah, hitting, yeah, yeah. explosive like, because yeah. it's got to be either 15 seconds or less or a minute or less. Yeah. So you're going to put a couple of these into shorts? Yeah, we will. Send we, them over, put yeah, them on your channel. We, we, oh, we thank you. Yeah. 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 yeah, of course. Yeah, That's trailer. what I was going to say, actually. Did you say, can I use your same stuff or not? Yeah, yeah, totally. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're not stingy. We tell oh, all wow. our guests you can use our stuff. Wow, that's true. Shorts, clips, it, it just promotes it. <laughs> it promotes it. Yeah. Wow. Raises Brilliant. everyone. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I look forward to it. All right. Big well, man. thank you no, for today. Really thank yeah, you. Yeah, cheers. Oh, wicked, mate. Thank you. It's so cool. Thank you very much. Right, yeah, yeah, cheers, man. Yeah, yeah, take <laughs> <laughs> well, well,